Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to Cosmopolitan's All The Way With. I'm Paisley Gilmore. And I'm Laura Capon. And this week we're joined by Carolina, who was in an abusive relationship with a, air quotes, bad boy. Before we get Carolina on, though, mm. I wanted to tell you something that I thought would make you laugh. Oh, yes. So, you know, I've moved back home with my parents for the pandemic. And I'm going to be here, for, I'm just going to save some money for a while, like, while the world burns mm. and um <laughs> i've got literally you know like in in buffy how she has like the trunk of like all her um <laughs> steaks and like <laughs> vampire equipment i've got like the equivalent because of you but it's like a dildo suitcase <laughs> <laughs> and it's just full of all the sex toys you've given me and it just feels so wrong i don't know like <laughs> i put them in the suitcase because there's too many for a box but it just feels like what if someone goes on like an impromptu trip and they take out that suitcase and it just all <laughs> floods out the idea of you moving back into your parents house just wheeling that suitcase <laughs> through the house knowing that it's just full of massive dicks like <laughs> Poor Jan and Mick, they're none the wiser. You know when people, not when people, in cartoons, and they have their little stick with a handkerchief, yeah. and it's got like the tip of a dildo poking out. See you later, mum and dad. <laughs> How many have you got in there, Laura? I think like over 10. That's too many. That's too it's many for one person. It's ridiculous, right? I've only kept one out. But it made me think how before... And I know I've said this before. I never had a sex toy before I met you. Mm, yeah. And honestly, it was one of those things. I would have been one of those girls that was like, all people that was like, oh, oh no, I don't use sex. Ugh. And now I've yeah. got a suitcase full of them. So do you think, because I used to also be like that too. Do Did you? you? Think that's, yeah. Do you think that's quite a common thing still for people to feel that way? Definitely. I feel like with my friends, we only... And even now we don't really talk about masturbating, but we will make the odd like joke mm. and sort of nod towards it. But that's only probably in like the last couple of years. Before then it was just like, you just don't talk about it. 
it doesn't okay. exist Yes, yeah, I did notice when I first started at Cosmo and I was getting sex toys and obviously I've only got one vagina, I don't have the time to test them all. So I'd like try and get other people on the team to test them. And a lot of people, and absolutely no shade to them for saying this because we've, I'm sure like it, it's an internalised thing, it's not our fault, but like a lot of them would say, oh, well, I've got a boyfriend, why would I need a vibrator? Or like they were kind of very, very naturally like, I don't want to try that thing. And it showed me there were still so many barriers, even though we think we've come so far and reduced stigma around masturbation and whatever. Like, it's still such a huge thing. Do you think um, people with penises would also be like, oh, I just jerked off? Or is it just, do people just not talk about it in general? I think men and people with penises socialise to, like, wear their masturbation as a badge of honour almost. So, like, when they're kids, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> fucking jacked off 50 times today mate don't know why he's australian um it's i watched an episode of naked attraction last night with an australian woman it was incredible would highly recommend leanne uh whereas women we're kind of like shamed into silence almost so it's a gendered thing i feel different for men and women i always um remember when we moved into our flat me and my friend Mm. and she, she left her the landlord came round. He we were at work and he messaged asked to come round to check something. And then when I came home after he'd been, I looked in her mm. room and there was this giant pink dildo just <laughs> on the floor, <laughs> which she just left out. And I just sent her a picture and I was like, really glad he's seen this. <laughs> oh no! Why did she leave it on the floor? I think it had fallen like off like her bedside table i mean either either way it wasn't in a great place yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah although so i'm trying like t- me i think me and my friends are getting there towards being more open mm-hmm. i'm but i'm not gonna get the suitcase out around jan and mick you know that's okay okay jan's only just learned what squirting is let's take it <laughs> one step at a time with old jan <laughs> um also i don't want anyone listening to this to feel like we're laughing at them for feeling like embarrassed about wanking or talking about wanking because like like i said it's like we've all felt like that at some point and it's not our fault it's just no and i i still do get embarrassed depending on what um guest we have on Mm. and you know if it's like heading down that way and i think oh I have this real thing in my head of like, do I want to just not talk about this? Like I have something that I could say, but do I just say nothing? Oh, really? So what, it's you like, feel like you don't want to share your experience sometimes. Mm, yeah, because I think then I start thinking, who's going to listen to this? And then, oh my god, everyone will know I masturbate. <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, so I totally understand. Do you know what? I don't think I give you enough credit because obviously it's my job. It's my whole like thing to talk about it, but it's not yours you don't have to and for you to do it especially when you exist in like the beauty realm and you know that's important to you like I don't know I just think I admire you for being up for talking about it so publicly and I think it really does make a positive difference so thank you thank you for sharing your as you put on here we have notes (laughs) and can I just say that all that Posey wrote was discuss Laura's pervy suitcase Just as a warning, in the following interview, we discuss violent behaviour within a relationship and rape. We're joined today by Carolina, a pole dancer, academic, blogger and activist. She was in an abusive relationship with a bad boy Jim, not his real name, on and off for a year or so. She's here to share her experiences and explain why the bad boy narrative is actually really dangerous. Welcome, Carolina. Hi, thanks for having me. Oh, you're Thank so you so welcome. much for coming. 
So what was going on in your life before you met Jim? Like, where were you at? It's very interesting for me to look back because obviously when you're going through things, it just seems like, you know, you're just living your life. Everything seems normal. But I think I was actually really down. My self-esteem was really kind of low. Um, I was about to graduate from my BA in journalism. So my, my first university degree And I was a small town girl from Sardinia who'd moved to London with big dreams of becoming a journalist. And then halfway through that degree, I kind of realized that it wasn't what what I wanted to do anymore. And by the end of my degree, I was feeling very lost. I didn't know, you know, exactly what job I wanted to do. Um... I was struggling finding to find internships. Um, all the internships I found were unpaid, mm. so I couldn't really support myself. So everything just felt like this big kind of void. I felt disappointed with myself because I used to be an overachiever in high school and um, not knowing what I wanted to do just felt really unlike me and really odd. And I was also coming from a set of disappointing relationship or dates or, you know, kind of love experiences where initially I would try to date students, but they just wanted to have fun and they didn't want to be reliable and like just be there Mm -hmm. for me. So I started dating older men and uh, I expected that that would make them more reliable because I was kind of a relationship kind of girl back Mm -hmm. in the day. And, um, but obviously for them, I was just this uh, late teenage person that they only wanted to play with. So pretty much by the time I met him, I felt low professionally um, and also low in terms of uh, love. I just felt like I was unlovable. That was why people were not wanting to settle down with me. And with settle down, I don't mean like get married and have babies, but just have a stable relationship where we could be there for each other. So I was kind of in a place of just throwing myself at everyone and everything that would yeah. take me. Um, and and it's, it's so sad looking back because I'm kind of like, you know, if, if maybe you'd been more open to talking about your issues with people, then, you know, you wouldn't have to react like that. But I was, I was feeling very low and emotionally that brought me to a really dark place. So how much older was Jim? It's not like a huge age gap, but we were at very different life stages because obviously when someone's about to graduate from university and someone already has a job, it's, it's different. And, um, and he'd lived in a bunch of countries and I hadn't. Um, and he, he wasn't the oldest of the men I'd been dating. I'd been dating guys in their late thirties as well. Um, so it seemed like a more approachable age gap when we got together. So how did you, how did you meet him? Um, I, I was, very active in the food and bar blogging scene back then with my Italian blog that I had at the time. 
And I was invited to the launch of a bar. And I remember going there with my flatmate, one of my best friends, to celebrate our um, last exam. And I remember seeing this guy and my friend was like, yeah, that guy is your type because he was tall, skinny. So she was like, yeah, that's your type. And he'd like said something to me, uh, but I, you know, I just wanted to have fun with my friend that first time. So I didn't really do anything about it but we went back the week after because they launched a different type of night with like live music and whatever and that night was where we got kind of (laughs) we got together because um he I came back and he was like oh I remember you from last time because I was wearing this ridiculous yellow Game Boy dress (laughs) it was very visible and he was like yeah I haven't been able to stop thinking about you for the entire week he was obviously very suave Mm. in in his approach initially and then you know he's he just started making cocktails for me and bringing them to the table like for free for me and my friend and we started talking and then at some point I went to the bathroom and he was there and because it was a unisex bathroom I don't remember who started kissing who but it just got kind of very intense and uh, we exchanged numbers and then when he finished work we went out for a drink somewhere else and then he came back to my place and we just had crazy sex like nine times for the whole night wow so it was quite intense quite quickly was it like what what was the first month or so like together um it just felt so insanely nice compared to anything else that I'd had before because he was the one writing to me I didn't feel like I was always having to show up and to chase him and he was very um he just seemed blown away that he managed to get with me which was I don't know if it was a tactic or I don't know if it was true but it just kind of really struck me because with all the other people I'd been with before it just felt like they were doing me a favor by hanging out with me (laughs) and um and with I mean it it was crazy back then because I was so young and so naive and so insecure that this person showing so much interest towards me was just mind-blowing to me you know he was very romantic he told me I love you really quickly and and that was just so crazy for me because I was like I mean yeah maybe it's a bit early but it's so nice to Mm -hmm. be loved I think I was really really needing to be loved by Mm -hmm. back then so I feel like we've used the term bad boy a lot like what was his bad boy image I always imagine just someone wearing eyeliner <laughs> or I think of like Justin Bobby in the hills. That's kind of if I think of if you've watched that, if I think of a bad boy, but mm. what kind of things made him seem a, um, a bad boy in that sense? So I don't think he could pull the the eyeliner off. <laughs> um Love but the shade. um I think <laughs> yeah, I mean there's gonna mm-hmm. be a lot of shade. So uh, it's I mean I, I think I deserve it at this point. But uh, um for me, um I should say, just before I start, that all my relationship expectations come from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my which God, is, the same person. Yeah, which is like <laughs> the best show on earth. And I accept everyone trying to fight me for this, but it's just the best show on earth. There's nothing mm-hmm. people can say. So the first person I ever fell in love with was Angel because he was so like dark and broody. But at the same time, he was very caring and very intense and very in love. So um, that was kind of 
to me at that time, my ideal relationship, which is really weird because obviously it's a very childish type thought. But I came from either very stable relationships that at some point were boring or people that didn't care about me enough. So with him, he kind of looked like this person who was a bit rough around the edges. He did mention that he was drinking a lot. He did mention that he was doing a lot of drugs. But I... I never really experienced that initially because I didn't drink a lot and I didn't do drugs. So I didn't know what that looked like uh, on him. So I didn't know if when I saw him, he was actually on drugs or he was just showing off. And on top of that, it wasn't really that that I found attractive. And I don't really think that I identified him as a bad boy per se, but he would make constant references to not being a good person. And I just couldn't understand why, but in, in a really sad way, that is very kind of creepy Edward Cullen type thing. Because mm. they're like, they're very much like, oh, I'm a bad person, but I'm nice to you. You haven't seen the worst of me. And like, in a way, like... It, <laughs> I don't know why all... it makes me laugh. It's so just cringe. It just makes it also think of, you know, Edward Cullen when he's like, think you can outrun me? <laughs> yeah, I know. It is really cringy, but I think I hadn't really developed as a human back then. I think like my... Yeah, you so young. I was so young. I think like my attraction was pretty much to like these people that pretended they were bad, but actually they were nice and they cared. Or maybe like they had a mysterious side that I needed to discover. Like that was how mm. I saw it back then. Um, and obviously that went downhill, but I, like when I got with him, I wasn't like, oh, bad boy, you know, but he, he really cared about pushing that narrative about himself. Mm. And it was so interesting for me because I, I just kept trying to understand. I was like, but you're very nice to me. What it is, what is it that's so bad about you? And then obviously I saw it, uh, but it was very interesting how at first he almost tried to warn me, but I don't know if it's because there was huge chemistry between us or I don't know if because of the childish ideas of bad boys that I had, that just seemed like something I could cope with. So I, I just kept on. <laughs> so when um, you said about three months into dating or so, you started mm -hmm. to see how it was more than just a bad boy image. He was actually, mm -hmm. he became manipulative. What what kind of started It was really then? odd. Um, initially, I just couldn't understand. Um, I remember one night he showed up at my flat and he was drunk and a bit kind of pissed off um, and I couldn't understand why. And he just fell asleep next to me. And then in the morning, at some point I was like, look, you're going to have to get up at some point because I have to meet a friend and I can't leave you in inside the house without, you know, like without me. Because at, at that time I was in a student hall of residence and they were very strict about guests. Mm. So um, I just kept trying to wake him up and he wouldn't and he wouldn't. Then he woke up and we had sex and then he fell back to sleep. And then I was like, dude, like you just need to leave. And he just had this super intense reaction that I was not expecting. And he started shouting at me and he said, oh, you know, just never speak to me again. And he started alleging that I'd hidden one of his socks while he was mm. trying to get dressed. And I was like, but why would I ever do that? And he was like, because you're fucking crazy, because you want to like hide my things so that I have to come back. And I was like, 
a sock. Like, what? You know, what the fuck? So that was like the first kind of, mm. kind of, yeah, example. Because then what was really odd was that he just completely brought it on me that I was crazy, that I was doing a wrong thing, despite having warned him that he needed to get up and all mm. of that stuff. So that was initially something. And then even worse, shortly after, um, we so it was graduation week and my friend and I went to the bar again. And I don't know, I don't know if it was him. It might be likely, I don't know. But my drink was spiked. And I couldn't understand anything. And to this day, I don't really remember anything apart from waking up. But luckily, my friend was with me. So my friend, because she knew that I was with him, she was kind of like, oh, he's seen her pass out. I just want to let him know that I've, I've taken her home and that she's okay. So she messaged him and she was like, hey, Carolina's with me. She passed out. Not sure what happened, but she's fine now. Don't worry. So he started hitting on her via message oh right well well i was passed out next to my friend um and she was like what the fuck is going on so she stayed with me f- uh, for a while then she went back to her place and then when i woke up in the morning she was like i need to see you and she was like you need to get rid of this guy because he's a fucking creep mm. and um after that i went to his place to kind of understand what it was that was going on And that was one of the, like, I still remember that as one of the craziest days in my life because he changed personality about six times. Like, first he'd be angry, then he'd cry, then he'd be sad. Then he'd tell me that I was crazy and that it was all my fault. At some point he hit me and then we had sex. Like, it was the craziest day. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think by then I was gone because I was ashamed of being with him, but I didn't want to leave him. Um, and at the same time, he seemed so vulnerable and so dangerous at the same time. And I just couldn't, I just, I just didn't know what to do anymore. So you said like he would act vulnerable. Was what, what, what kind of, what was he doing in that regard? Um, so he would talk about how it was hard for him to like, you know, get good jobs or how he was excluded from that. And then he would throw odd mentions about his um, childhood there, saying that maybe, you know, he was bullied. But it would all be very random, like you couldn't see a pattern. Mm. It was literally just some anecdotes that he could have read elsewhere, you know. And and I think Mm. this is the thing, like it was very hard to realize where truth was and where he was just making it up. Mm. So So, he was kind of playing vulnerable to... Yeah. I mean, like... When I, I I got to know him further on, um, but I think he was vulnerable, but I think also he liked putting on different acts. So, you know, like with him, you just never know where you have. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. And I think also what I realized was he's a film graduate and he really enjoys um you know we had a similar taste in movies and stuff like that and I, and I think he likes to see himself as a character so sometimes he would do that I think mm. when um you said that he hit you I think that's for people that don't understand abusive relationships I always think that's the the part of their like well, why didn't you leave as soon as that happened um can you tell us what like what that was like and what your first kind of reaction was because it's obviously so much more complicated than someone just hits you and you leave um but what was that like if he'd never um been physical towards you before it's it's such an odd feeling because um when when that happened part of me kind of just internalized it as oh it was just part of sex um or you know it was just once but then the the threat of that or the fear of that remains and you don't want to like you don't want to leave because in a way you're tied to this person you you feel close to them and you have feelings towards them so even if rationally you're like yeah this is bad like i should be leaving then in your head it doesn't work the same when you're actually leaving um and there were other times in which he was violent not a lot of them i must say uh but enough that the threat of it was always there and i think this is the point cuz so many times i i think like emotional abuse and manipulation is what makes you at the same time fear the violence but then also just kind of bury it because you're kind of like well it's not like it happens every day maybe he was mm-hmm. just angry maybe that's something that I could do too if I was angry you know what i mean or sometimes they're like oh maybe i pushed him by asking too many questions all of this stuff like you start trying to explain it in your own head um and and at the end of the day your feelings towards that person but also your own feelings of saying hey i'm not a victim i've actually got agency here and i'm staying they all come into play it's a very complex relationship and i'm not speaking for all women here obviously i'm i'm speaking yeah. for myself mm-hmm. but i think what was really interesting about my situation is that i always viewed myself as this strong person that had ideals and um that had a future and that came from a very kind of sheltered background and like oh this would never happen to me 
And this is how it catches you because it can happen to everyone. It's not about who you are or your background. It's just about a behavior that is allowed to go on, not just by you, by society. Um, but just leaving is something that doesn't really happen very easily. And would you tell your friends, because um, I think if um, most of us get into sort of an, an argument or disagreement with our partner, we'll often go to our friends and kind of moan to them about it. But was that something you would never do? I don't know. It was tricky. Um I feel like initially I was very ashamed and I wasn't properly talking to people, but I was I was saying that something was wrong and my friends were seeing that he was hurting me um, psychologically, not, not physically. But I do remember this time when, you know, there there was this this moment where um I I didn't wanna have sex and he forced himself on me. And and I remember that, you know, that was a horrible situation and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, I don't ever want to see him again talking to a friend. And my friend was like, what the fuck? That's rape. And and I mean, yes, it was. But I don't think I was ready to hear it like that. I hadn't come yeah. to terms with it. So this is also what's scary about talking to friends because your friends want the best for you. Mm. But... Obviously, your friends are not qualified counsellors. They're not, you know, they don't work for the criminal justice system. They don't really know how to speak with a victim. Um, and my friends were there for me and they were amazing and they've been supporting, supportive throughout. But partly I was ashamed of things. Partly I didn't know how to say them. And partly when I did say them, then it kind of dawned on me that my slightly toxic relationship was actually more toxic than I wanted to uh, come to terms with. So they're all very complex scenarios that I think like there's not one solution to, I would say. I mean, obviously the solution is leaving the person, but also leaving the person is scary because in cases of violence and domestic violence, when the woman leaves is the most dangerous time. And because there's always this perceived threat that the person is kind of um, using against you, um, leaving is scary even in terms of safety. So how long were you together before you kind of decided to end it? And what made you come to that, like kind of get to that decision? Um, It was a bit of a weird one because when the violence became really bad after about three months and a half, that's when I decided to end it just straight after the rape. I was kind of like, just, I don't want to see you anymore. If you, if you contact me again, I will call the police, which I did do, but I didn't press charges because I was too scared and I must say that at that time, even though I did hear that it's getting better, my experience with the police wasn't great because I felt like um, I wasn't being believed. And if I took things to court, I would not be believed. Mm-hmm. Um, so after three months and a half, I ended it. But that relationship ended up haunting me for a whole year. So when I cut when I cut things off with him I went couch surfing in the U.S. by myself uh, for three months and I came back and that was fine and I was still not hearing from him and I spent a year working in PR and I got really burnt out and I hadn't really dealt with my feelings and with my trauma so at some point he got back in touch towards the end of that year 
And because I had been unable to get into any proper relationship or to really open myself up with anyone um, after after the thing, I was there was something in my brain that was like, you need to figure out what happened. And the only way you figure out what happened is by going back to him, which is what I did, which was crazy. And my friend, I didn't tell my parents, my friends were really upset. They were really worried. And they were like, but we'll keep checking in on you. But I did it in a way with, like, I did it knowing that I was going to break up with him at some point. So I knew that I had just gone into a criminology master's in Australia. And I knew that by April that year, I would have had to leave London. So we got back together for that time. And he wasn't violent back then. He was, back then, he was just emotionally abusive, which is bad enough. But I kind of understood more about him. And I understood that it wasn't about me. It was about him. I wasn't a horrible person uh, that I deserved, that deserved everything that had happened. It's just that he's just a person that just needs to sort his shit out. And it mm. wasn't on me. It was very painful to go back to him because, again, in the first few months, it was lovely. And then it just started getting worse and worse. And then he kind of tried to keep in touch throughout uh, my time in Australia. And I was still very in love. Like, there's no, you know, I would be lying if I said that I wasn't. Um, I still tried to keep in touch with him back then, even though it was very toxic and he did some horrible things. Um, and he was just, you know, mean and, and, and horrible and careless in so many ways. But yeah, so it lasted like for about nine months in total or something. Um, or maybe a bit less. I don't, I don't remember the full like dates. Um, but yeah, Again, it shows how complex these relationships can be because even when you're a victim, which I was, um, you still love the person and you still romanticize the relationship. And up until a while ago, that was my most defining relationship in life. Luckily, it isn't anymore, but you know. Mm. How did you move forward after that then? Because obviously you've, you've written a book. Was that part of your kind of healing process? Yeah. So that was a huge part of my healing process because I'd been trying and failing to write books since I moved to the UK. Um, and they were all bad and naive and, and terribly written. Um, and, um, and then when I was couch surfing in the US, I had a bunch of notebooks with me and I started writing the story in a narrative way, kind of changing a lot of things, but like still based on that. And um, and it never went anywhere. It never happened. But then when I was in Australia, I suddenly realized I was like, I am so tired of this story. I am so tired of sending this story to my two potential agents. I am so tired of sitting on it. I just need it to go out and to just be done so that I can write about anything else. So that's what I did. I had a bunch of fellow students um, edit my novel and then I self-published it. And that was a huge part of my healing because I haven't been writing about that stuff anymore. And it did feel like, you know, yes, this was horrible, but it's now been processed in a helpful way. And actually, the the article that you published uh, about me and my story featuring the book, that was massively helpful for me because it also made me realize from the feedback I got from it, how many people 
were in a in a similar situation and mm-hmm. it stopped me feeling like I was just this stupid stupid person who fell for it you know yeah yeah um for anyone listening Carolina wrote a piece for us which is on the Cosmo website you just have to google Cosmo I guess bad boy relationship and it should come up but yeah it's like a personal piece speaking about her um experiences yeah and it's still one of the main things that bring people to my blog which is really nice <laughs> um so did you ever have you ever heard from him since that second like final breakup oh yeah he's not going away (laughs) um my mom um obviously I'm I'm Italian and this sounds way better in Italian but my mom says he comes back like a stomachache there's like no (laughs) getting rid of him and um so I blocked him from every kind of social network uh, when I got back to London from Australia. And he was really pissed off. It was like, what, like last year you were here crying in my bed because you were leaving and now all of a sudden you don't want to hear from me. And now um, twice a year he gets in touch. Um, Initially it was only via email because it was the only place where I hadn't blocked him or rather on email you can get him into your spam folder but unless you know gmail takes huge actions he will still be able to email and then just if just the week before you messaged me about this podcast he got back in touch um and um, this time he did it via instagram And throughout this past few years, I just ignored, ignored, ignored. And via Instagram, I I got really scared because on Instagram, you can see where I teach, uh, where where the Mm -hmm. pole studio where I'm at is. You could, you know, you could see so many things about me and you get a link to my blog and all of that. While before he wasn't necessarily exposed to it. Um, And so he was like, oh, I need to confess something. And he was like, I've been thinking about you all, you know, all this time. And this time I answered and I was like, you never give up. What do you want? And he was like, oh, I just want to, you know, um, ask you if you want to come out for dinner with me. I have a new flat. I live by myself. I'm definitely in a position where I can treat you right like you deserve. Mm. And I was like, gross. So I blocked again. Um, but it, it's just appalling. And, and what my, one of my best friends said is, and I, I really agree with him. He was like, what's really sad is that I don't think he realizes the damage that he inflicted on you. And I don't think he does. Cause when we got back together, I did tell him, dude, like you beat me, you raped me, you did all of this. And he started crying. He said that he was so high on drugs that he didn't remember anything. So, you know, it, I don't think like, like I think in his brain, I'm just this person who left him for no reason. But definitely, like there are, he's got major issues in the way that he deals with people that probably come from his own self-esteem, from his own experiences. But again, you know, I'm not a therapist. Yeah, there's just no excuse. And mm. and he's a grown man, and he just needs to go to therapy like the rest of us. Yeah. What um, what advice would you give um to people who do tend to kind of gravitate towards these bad boys or who people who present themselves as bad boys? Um, I think first of all, it's very important to understand why it is that you're doing that. Because I think for me, because my life was very vanilla, very good girl, you know, getting good marks and working hard. I thought that my edge was in my relationships, that I had like these really passionate relationships. And 
getting getting into a, a relationship like that is not a personality trait. It will fuck you up. Like it fucked me mm. up. <laughs> I'm still dealing with that. Mm. Um, and I think also it's it's very important to just notice um, a variety of behaviors because you might be completely fine and not at, at a low point like I was and get into a relationship like that. But you might not have the tools to actually realize that it's a bad relationship because I certainly didn't. I thought I was completely fine and I thought those behaviors were not okay but like not abusive you know so I mean luckily there is so much more information out there right now about you know manipulation and about abuse and stuff like that more information than there was back in my day so I think you know listen to your friends um do read up on this stuff. If your partner does something that you're not okay with, you've got a right to raise it. Like every good relationship is built on communication. So if if you if you're afraid to raise anything with your partner, that's a sign there that there's something going on. And I think when it comes to the bad boy, again, it's a completely unrealistic trope. It's just this thing that happened in, that happens in movies and that happens in books. And it's it's just, you know, do you really want to deal with that? Like, at the end of the day, like even, you know, even Angel from Buffy, he's lovely, but he's got so many downsides that I don't think I'm ready to deal with right now. So I think, you know, when, like, I, I think it's very important to think, wait a minute, what am I getting out of this? Like, is the excitement worth it? And is it really exciting to feel afraid all the time? Um, I'm afraid it's it's very difficult to give straight up advice because everybody's relationship for get, everybody's reason for getting into a relationship like that is different. Mm. Um, but I think I think what I keep going back to is that edge because I think I was different. I thought I was different for for getting into a relationship like that, but I really wasn't. I was just hurting myself pretty much and I think I was very disappointed in myself and it almost became like a form of self-harm so I would say you know it's very important to kind of investigate deeply and even when it's uncomfortable about the reasons why you're getting into something like that and sometimes going to therapy might help and sometimes speaking to friends or writing it down might help but just don't keep it keep it in because I kept it in for ages and then the flashbacks started coming and it's not something you want to deal with and I just think it's important to end on like you, you mentioned in passing this was the defining relationship of your life but it's not any longer. Mm -hmm. So does that mean that you've moved on and you've had a healthy relationship and you've like had love? Yeah, yeah. So I thought it, it's so funny because I listen to a lot of relationship podcasts and um, it used to really piss me off when I, when I would hear people say, oh, the best sex I've ever had is with my partner or, oh, this is the best relationship I've ever been in. I was like, oh, come on. But it is like that, like... Literally, I'm in the most loving relationship I've ever been in. It's the most supportive experience I've ever had. Uh, my partner is really helpful. And I think this is something that I really want to raise. When you go home or in your personal life, you don't want an extra added source of stress um, apart from your outside life. And I think mm. this is what's really happening now. Like I have a problem and with my partner, we solve it together. While before I would get 
into the relationship and every other problem that I had would become bigger. Um, so it is possible to heal. It took me a long time. So this relationship started in 2014. The big traumatic stuff was in 2014. We're now in 2020 and I'm a year in this amazing relationship. And I wasn't able to get into a proper stable relationship for ages because I just couldn't open up to anybody. Um, but at some point, and, and pole dancing was massively helpful towards that because I, I needed to take on um, and, and to start a huge self-love journey because I didn't have any love for myself, my body or anything. And I needed to start loving myself before I could be with someone else, which sounds very RuPaul, but that's what it was. <laughs> um, so it is possible, but it's a very long journey. Mm -hmm. But I'm very happy now. Uh, which I didn't think I could be. I didn't think I could be in a relationship like this. So for anybody that's, you know, being in that situation, there is hope. It, it's a lot of work, but there is hope. Thank you so much for sharing your Thank story you, with us, Carolina. Carolina. You have a very active Instagram with all your pole dancing stuff on. Do you want to shout it out? Yes, please. So you can find me pretty much all over the internet at blogger on poll thank you so much for having me it's thank really nice you. to be able to talk about this stuff with hindsight <laughs> thanks carolina thank you bye-bye for more information and support regarding abusive relationships you can visit the women's aid website that's womensaid.org.uk or call the free phone 24-hour national domestic violence helpline on 0808 2000 247 Funny that, isn't it, Elsie? Another bloody Buffy fan. I promise I didn't know Carolina was a huge Buffy fan before we started. Mm, I feel like, yeah, <laughs> classic Elsie. Um, but that has um, was really making me think. You know when she said, um, mm. she's made that comment about when she told her friend about when he had sex with her without her consent and her friend said, that's mm. rape. And she said she wasn't ready to hear that. Mm. It makes me think, of conversations I've had with people where they've been, I mean, not as serious as that, where I've kind of not shut them down, but said like, that's not right. And never thought that, yeah, maybe that person isn't ready to kind of hand, like to process what you're saying. But it just yeah. makes me sad to think it is so hard because you are so, uh, like Carolyn, it was so alone with it, I guess. But she's yeah. in such a better place now. She is. And it just goes to show like how something that we see as harmless, like we see like the oh, he's a bit of a bad boy. And we all say it in passing and, you know, films depict it. But actually, like, it could just be one step away from a toxic, abusive relationship, which is obviously really serious. I guess it's it's what's it really representing? Like, aside from the Buffy jokes, I remember I loved Angel. But also when you watch it now, like, he was literally stalking her. <laughs> like, that is... Oh my God, That yeah. is not okay. But we, like, romanticise that. he... That's the thing. That, that kind of... Um, I was going to say power imbalance, but power dynamic is completely glorified and romanticised, isn't it, in in like mainstream culture? So no wonder we kind of internalise that. This brings us to the end of this episode of Cosmopolitans All The Way With. Thanks to Carolina for joining us and to you for listening. If you have any sex questions or dating dilemmas, message us on Twitter or Instagram at Cosmopolitan UK. Cosmopolitans All The Way With was recorded by Number 8 Studios remotely and is available to download on all the usual podcast apps. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.